and pro- This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The country and the birth state of, of America, Virginia, where the cross of the covenant was first planted at these shores in 1607, was shaken a couple of days ago. Why was the country shaken and the Commonwealth of Virginia? Well, because the former governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, handed his Republican gubernatorial co- uh, opponent, Glenn Youngkin, a campaign ad on a silver platter during a debate. Why and how did he do it? By stating that he would not allow parents to tell schools what to teach their children. McAuliffe, a Democrat who was seeking a second non-consecutive term as Virginia governor in the November off-year election, proudly acknowledged on Tuesday that he vetoed legislation while governor that would have alerted parents when there was sexually explicit content in instructional materials. He said, I'm not going to let parents come into school and actually take books out and make their own decisions. McAuliffe said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. What do you think? That's the question. What do you think? Not what does Terry McAuliffe think, but what do you think? You see, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your viewpoint, Terry McAuliffe let, well, he let the secret out of the bag. That's what he did. He revealed the true heart of his party and also of his candidacy. That parents really don't have authority over their children and shouldn't. That in fact, the schools, the so-called elites, should have authority over your children. The problem with that is that it completely disagrees with what the Bible says, what the Creator says. He says that we have the responsibility. Going back there to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, he says that we have the responsibility. It's a non-delegable duty that we have to train up our children in the ways of the Lord, and that we should talk of his ways when we lie down, when we rise up, when we walk by the way, when we're eating lunch, or whatever we're doing. In other words, it should be a constant expression of our lives in educating and raising up our children. So, the opponent, Glenn Youngkin, said, you believe school systems should tell their children what to do, but I believe parents should be in charge of their kids' education. Well, that's interesting because Glenn Youngkin declares himself to be a Christian. We don't hear that kind of claim from his opponent. So, culture wars over critical race theory and transgender policy have taken hold in school board fights across the state of Virginia and fueling Republican organizing power. In fact, you may know about the Northern Virginia Loudoun County blow-up at a school board meeting earlier this year that led to two arrests. This is becoming an ever bigger deal across America, and parents are rising up. McAuliffe's position may also run counter to Virginia law. In fact, Youngkin's campaign noted a state law reads a parent 
has a fundamental right to make decisions concerning the upbringing, education, and care of the parent's child. But McAuliffe brushed that off as a right-wing, well, conspiracy theory, just totally made up. Really? What do you think? Viewpoint determines destiny, friends, as we say here all the time on Viewpoint. There are no neutral viewpoints, including those concerning the raising of our children. And today on Viewpoint, we are going to be looking at this in a perhaps a little different way. We're not looking at it from a political standpoint, even though we opened up with the political machinations and ramifications of it. We're going to look at it in a deeper fashion. How can you, how can I, Yes, not just parents, but grandparents, and all of us surrounding our families and children, how can we truly make a difference for such a time as this? So, welcome aboard. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Remember, God didn't command us to be informed, but rather to be transformed, and that by the renewing of our minds, that we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, speaking of minds, you see, as God created humankind, he didn't create us all exactly the same way. Well, yes, we do have the same number of bones, and we have the same systems in which we operate, but our minds are, well, some of us have interests in different directions. And maybe, just maybe, that might affect the way we school our kids. Now, here's another interesting fact before we launch into the deep with our special guest today coming to us from Fort Worth, Texas. Here's the report. Homeschooling doubles across the country, surging by almost 18% in many states. So as American businesses, families, and churches all have been hit hard over the COVID-19 lockdowns and vaccination orders and mask mandates and all of this stuff, the public school industry that is the brick-and-mortar building staffed by union members, have been struck too. According to new reports from the education interests as well as the census data, and here it is, the Christian ministry Answers in Genesis is praising parents for waking up to the fact that being secular is not neutral, and the public secular schools are not neutral either. In other words, they have their viewpoints. They are not for Christ, they are against, and there's no neutral position. Census data found that 11% of U.S. households with school-aged children are now homeschooling. This is amazing. That's double the number just before the pandemic, and the number before the pandemic was double the number about five years earlier. And that increase means there are about 2.5 million new homeschool students across the nation, The report found that 8.7 million children have been pulled from a government-run school and placed in private schools, which includes many Christian schools. And a short time ago, a report confirmed that as of last spring, the rate for families homeschooling was 5.4%, but now more than doubled. What's going to continue to grow? We'll see. But today on Viewpoint, we want to talk about this matter of homeschooling. That's right. And we want to talk about a unique facet of homeschooling, and that is how we view our children and their unique gifts. To help us with that conversation, 
I've invited Kathy Cook to join us. Uh, she is a, uh, a master in raising up children and talking about children. She's been doing it for a, for a very, very long time. And uh, she's joining us here today to talk about great smarts for homeschoolers. Great smarts for homeschoolers. And it's a teaching guide uh, based on our children's unique strengths. Kathy, it's good to have you on the program. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for trusting me with your valuable time and your people. Well, (laughs) we did take a bit of time to introduce this, but we try to set the stage for the serious reality of the choices that we need to make now. And uh, I know that's about what you're you're ready to uh, to lay on us here. So we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned, friends. This is Viewpoint. And Viewpoint determines destiny. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Our guest today, Dr. Kathy Cook, wants parents to know that their kids are smart, whether they excel in the classroom or not. And today, we're going to realize, we're going to come to grips with the fact that our kids don't necessarily think exactly the same way we do. But that doesn't mean they're not smart. That doesn't mean, and we're not talking about smarting off to their parents, we're talking about actually having value and gifts that God has given that we need to understand and come to grips with. So, Kathy Cook, joining us here from uh, Texas. How are things down there in Texas, Kathy? Really well. You know, it's hot here, but we are, we're doing okay here in Texas, better than a lot of parts of the country, that's for sure. Well, that's right. You've got a pretty good governor down there, I think. A decent governor. There's a lot of conservative values here, of course, which matters. Homeschooling has been huge here for a very long time. And our public schools are better than in much of the nation mm-hmm. because of the number of Christian people who we have here serving in that capacity. Well, you, you've been uh, heading up, you're the founder and president of Celebrate Kids, uh, located in Fort Worth, Texas, but you also have uh, branches across the country. Uh, can you give us a, a thumbnail sketch of what Celebrate Kids is all about? Yeah, I'd love to do that. We partner with parents so that parents can identify their children's strengths and help raise them on purpose with purpose. We believe that all children were intentionally created by a strategic God who knew what he was doing. And when we know who we are, we can walk with integrity into the future that God imagined us having. So it's a very, very powerful thing. And we do that through uh, teaching at churches and schools. Um, We do a lot of conference ministry, including a lot of homeschool events. We do pro-life events and women's events. We have a conference division. I'm an author of books, and we have a product line. We're all over social media. We are all about supporting the parent because the parent will be forever and always the first and most important teacher a child will ever have. Absolutely. Now, do you believe that uh, education can be fully delegated to public schools or any other school teacher? No, uh, it should not be. And I'm a former public school uh, teacher myself. So am I. 
Yeah, okay, you know, and it's not it's not ideal. It should not be delegated. In fact, I don't think we should be outsourcing many things that we outsource uh, to the community, mm-hmm. including, I would even go on record to say, you know, Sunday school teachers should not be the primary discipler of our children. It Absolutely. should be done at the home, and then we've got the support system. But, um, yeah, no, we, we believe that homeschooling is best. We believe that people can homeschool. We believe that on your worst day as a homeschool teacher, you are your best teacher for your child. Oh, okay. Now, you have a website, I bet. We do, CelebrateKids.com. CelebrateKids.com. That's pretty simple. CelebrateKids.com. Well, Jesus apparently celebrated kids. His disciples didn't. Uh, they they tried to take uh, the kids away. They said, no, you know, this is an adult thing. And Jesus said, no, 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 you don't get it. For as such is the kingdom of heaven. Don't turn them away. No, let's welcome them in. That is so much fun that you mentioned that, because that's actually how the Lord gave me the name Celebrate Kids. Really? When I, yeah, when I'm asked, you know, what's it mean? Uh, Jesus celebrated kids when they were the ignored generation. You know, when the, when the learned people said, you know, who among us is the greatest? And Jesus called up a child. I could just picture the men looking at each other thinking, wait, did he hear the question wrong? There's no way those children are the greatest. But he celebrated kids. He healed children. Mm-hmm. He blessed them. He held them. He allowed them to praise him in the temple. He did not say, be quiet, be quiet. And so if we all collectively in our communities and even in our families did a better job of celebrating kids for who they are, not just for what they do, we would all be better off. And that's how my brother and I were raised. We were raised, mm-hmm. we were paid attention, not just for what we did. And we did many things. We were in sports and music and academics was important to us. And we were celebrated for what we did. But we were celebrated for who we were. And that's significant because everything we do, we do because of everything we are. Yeah. We've got to celebrate the whole child. You know, Kathy, I I don't and have never demeaned my public school education, most mm-hmm. of which was in California uh, from the mid-1950s on, uh, began, though, in, uh, in Michigan and then ended up in uh, uh, Florida. But for the most part in California, and the teachers that I had, I felt were very good. Uh, never had any of this kind of bias talk and mm-hmm. all of these kinds of disruptive things that are, we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Never had any introduction, introduction of uh, nefarious sexual innuendos or pictures or diagrams or instruction in that regard. I had a good public school education, but I have to tell you that when my wife and I were public school teachers, uh, starting in 1967 through 1975, the fulcrum years for the development of rebellion in uh, America through the mm-hmm. sexual revolution and so on, everything changed in public education. Mm-hmm. Radically changed. It was as if it was turned upside down. And that was the beginning of uh, basically the homeschool movement as we know it. And my wife and I actually ended up deciding we are going to have to homeschool. And by the late 1970s, that's what we began to do at a time when not only was it not popular, but in many respects, people were saying, that's not even legal. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, that's what we did. And we have never uh, been disappointed that we took that choice. Mm, I'm proud of you. It was risky back then, for sure. <clears throat> but it is it is a wise thing. And, and I agree, my my education was excellent. But things are different now, and you know I have the utmost respect for Christian 
teachers in our public schools and private schools as well, mm-hmm. working really hard to, to do the best that they can. But many of them have come to me and said, you know, this, this is just harder and harder to stand up against the onslaught of the lie. I mean, yeah. that's called the lie of the lie. Um, it's there. And so into parents who have chosen to put their kids there but are standing up and going to school board members, going to meetings and proclaiming, you know, their, their um, disappointment, mm-hmm. praise God for their boldness. Well, but, but homeschooling is a real opportunity for people. Well, it is. It's an opportunity, uh, but it's also a challenge. Uh, nobody said that it was easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then training up our children the way of the Lord was never intended to be easy, <laughs> was it? No, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, and I think, Chuck, one of the things that people need to understand is that, you know, you can educate your kids at home even if you don't know physics. You can educate Wait your kids minute. at home. Wait a minute. You're kidding me. Are... No, seriously. Yeah, because either you learn along with your kids, which mm-hmm. is such a blessing to be a role model, or there are cooperative opportunities. There are you know, people who can walk alongside of you. There's tremendously wonderful curriculum that will guide your decision-making. You, you don't have to be an excellent writer to have a kid who becomes an excellent writer. And so we, we can teach. And here's the thing. We believe at Celebrate Kids that we teach children. We don't teach math. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That is, say that again. We teach children. We don't teach math, uh-huh. science. We don't even teach Bible. We teach children. And you will always, parents and grandparents, will always know their children better than anyone else, love them more completely than anyone else, and advocate for them more, you know, better mm-hmm. and longer than anyone else. And so for those reasons, you will be an excellent teacher, even if you start out seriously you know, concerned and, and overwhelmed and, and tired. Like, I get that. It's not mm-hmm. easy yeah. because children aren't easy, but it's possible. Well, you know, you don't have to go to a, a teacher's convention to find out that children aren't easy. Just ask God. <laughs> he called right. them the children of Israel, and right. they were rebellious from the get-go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, was yeah. No, we could we could talk all day about that. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but uh, there's a particular focus that we're bringing here today concerning our children, uh, particularly for homeschoolers. But it's 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 broader than that. Mm-hmm. Even if your kids are not homeschooled, there is a comprehension and understanding that we need to have that our kids have different kinds of what you're calling smarts. Give us a clue what that means. Yeah, Dr. Howard Gardner is the researcher behind this model, and so we know that um, children are born with the capacity to develop eight different ways of being smart, and the the two that are kind of the school smarts would be word and logic. Mm -hmm. When we are being word smart, we think with words, we read, write, speak, and listen. When we are being logic smart, we think with questions, we love it when things make sense. Math and science are probably the academic disciplines that we gravitate toward. Mm -hmm. So children and adults who have a lot of brain cells in those two parts of the brain are going to find schooling to be easier, uh, a more pleasant experience, will probably be more successful there. They're the ones that are told, oh, you're the smart one. Mm. But you know what, Chuck? All of us know people who did really well in school and are flunking life. And we also know people who struggled in school and are acing life. And that's because there's six other ways of being smart. And it's easiest for us to kind of support the development of those six at home because the system set up across the road doesn't advocate for the other six. Well, even Albert Einstein struggled in school. They didn't think he was particularly smart at all. They thought he was a doom boom. Absolutely. In fact, many of the, re- many of the brilliant um, uh, people, Edison, Einstein, Bach, Beethoven, uh, were kicked out of school, were homeschooled 
um, because they didn't fit the mold back then. Absolutely. I, that's funny you bring up Einstein. Studying Einstein is fascinating. Yes. Absolutely fascinating. Especially when you look at his hairdo. <laughs> yes. And an adult genius would stick his tongue out for a photograph, one mm-hmm. of the most famous photographs of Einstein. Right. right. Well, he must have been a piece of work. Some of our kids are a piece of work, too. At least they seem that way. And uh, yet, lurking below uh, the surface, there is a giftedness. There is even a calling that's related to that giftedness, which you're calling their smarts. And we want to take a look uh, a little more deeply into that. But you're representing Tina Hollenbeck today. She was one of your uh, protégés in one of your earlier conferences concerning the uh, eight great smarts, and it totally changed her life. Why are you standing in for her today? Can't she speak yeah, for herself? Um, it's just, it's, there's a lot of reasons behind that, but it's, um, we've all agreed that because I wrote the book Eight Great Smarts, which is the book her book is based upon, mm-hmm. um, that, and I've got more experience, frankly, doing this kind of thing, that it's just better yeah, right. uh, to kind of bring the two books together. Well, not only that, she's a veterinarian who used to speak to animals. No. No? No. I don't. Where did you, gosh, where did you get that idea? Well, I, I, I actually was reading the book. She must say something in there about the cats that she's loved her whole life. <laughs> That's very possible. No, Tina's a great gal, and the book, Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, uh-huh. takes my book, which is general, to this very specific idea that you can, again, at home, educate really easily to all eight of the smarts. All right, friends, here it is. It's a $13 book, and uh, it's yours for $9. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, it's called Eight Great Smarts for Home Schoolers. A guide to teaching based on your child's unique strengths. And we know we had three daughters, uh, Kathy, and every one of them is seriously different. (laughs) They were raised in the same home, same mom and dad, same teaching and so on, but each one of them is seriously different. We have 10 grandchildren, and we look at them, and every one of them is significantly different. There are different things that push their buttons, mm-hmm. that really engage them, that energize them. And uh, some are more open in personality, others are not. But that doesn't mean they're not smart, does it? Oh, no, not at all. They can feel less smart. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can assume that if they don't fit the mold of you know intelligence, the old-fashioned definition. But, oh, my goodness, everybody is so smart, and it's so much fun to talk about. Yeah. Well, I uh, would have to testify that my eighth grade experience was the most profound of my whole educational life. Mm. It determined the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. It set the uh, foundation for so many, many, many different things uh, in math and in science, but also in uh, athletics uh, and also for understanding and valuing civics and U.S. government, also for uh, uh, understanding writing 
and our English language. And if it were not for my eighth grade experience, I probably wouldn't have written 10 books already. Mm. So, was it a particular teacher who inspired you? Well, there was one. We called her General Ruby, General Scove. <laughs> she was a, a, a big lady and tough as nails. Man, mm. she was tough as nails. But I'll tell you, uh, uh, we learned. We mm-hmm. learned. Uh, and, of course, that was just in our core subjects. But, uh, you know, uh, math and algebra and other these. And as a result of that, I ended up teaching algebra. In fact, launching the first algebra class that had done in a school district in California. And then launched a new athletic program when I hadn't even majored in that undergraduate. Why? Because of teachers in eighth grade. Mm. Inspiring and apparently seeing something maybe that others didn't see. We'll be right back after this, friends, with uh, Kathy Cook and great smarts for your homeschoolers. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Reading, writing, and arithmetic, the three R's, that's what the foundation of education is, was, and will always be. Well, it would always be except for modern theories of education. Now we think that those things aren't important at all. No, one plus one doesn't really equal two, not always, depending on the color of your skin. Well, friends... Can you imagine such foolishness? Maybe that alone, that alone might encourage you to homeschool. But today on Viewpoint, that's not what we're focusing on, the necessity of homeschooling. We're focusing on how to view our kids. Yes, for homeschoolers, but not just homeschoolers, for all of us. And quite frankly, for grandparents as well. Oh, yeah. We're grandparents for 10, and if we didn't have some smarts with regard to the unusual smarts of our grandkids, we might devalue some of them because they're not into math or science. But what are they into and why? Could God have a purpose for them? So, our guest today, Kathy Cook, she has a book, Eight Great Smarts, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Intelligences, and uh, uh We'll make that one available for $10. It's on our website. It will be on the website if it's not already. Uh, Saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. But the one we're focusing on now is the book of her protege, Tina Hollenbeck, 
Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers. And uh, that's available to you. It's a $13 book, yours for $9 on our website. Hope you'll avail yourself of it. We need all the help we can get. Now, there are these eight particular smarts, as you refer to them, Kathy. Uh, Give us uh, just a a short distillation of those, and then we'll go back and uh, uh, break them down. Okay, I'd love to do that. So word-smart children think with words, or when they are being word-smart, they think with words. When we are being logic-smart, we think with questions. We love it when things make sense. Mm -hmm. When we are being picture-smart, we think with our eyes, and we um, create pictures either in our mind or on paper. When we are being music-smart, we think with rhythms and melodies. We might sing in tune, play one or more instruments, or just enjoy music. And then we're also body smart. And when people are being body smart, they think with movement and touch. And if you excite them, they move even more. So they're the ones that are told all day, you know, sit down, sit down, put that down, look at me. (laughs) And then there's the nature smart kids. And when we're being nature smart, we think with patterns. That's how we know it's a bluebird and not a blue jay or, or a elm tree and not an oak tree, because we have the kind of mind that remembers the shape and the design of something. Hmm. And then we're being people smart. The the last two are very interesting. We can be people smart, which means that we think with other people. It's really what you and I are doing on the radio and what our listeners are doing is they're listening to our our ideas. We're bouncing ideas back and forth. Well, hopefully we're logical, too. Well, hopefully, yes. (laughs) That's actually a great great statement because none of the intelligences ever work alone, and Mm -hmm. you're exactly right. People smart people think with other people. They delight to have their ideas known and massaged and interpreted by other people. And then the exact opposite of that is self-smart. When we're being self-smart, we think deeply inside of ourselves, and we crave quiet, peace, privacy, and space. Our own opinions are most important to us. The lack of teachability can be a real problem for people who are self-smart, and they might really struggle in a traditional school situation that is Mm -hmm. loud and crowded because that does not go well with the self-smart part of the brain. But again, all children have the capacity for all eight. Now, when you talk about self-smart, you're not talking about everything's about me, 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 are you? I am not. That's a great question. Um, Pride can be a fact of all eight of these, for sure, and it's also not introverted. Introverted people get their energy when they're alone. Self-smart people think when they're alone. You might see them in the middle of a discussion in in a home situation, home devotions or or school situation, kind of try to separate, and, and they kind of evaporate into their own thoughts. You know, like, come on, listen to me, Bethany. Well, Bethany has actually stopped listening to you, and she's listening to her own inside voice, and that's how she's going to come up with great ideas. Hmm, interesting. All right, so word-smart people, uh, some people call me a wordsmith, uh, and I suppose in some senses that is. I just sent over a portion of the manuscript of my latest book to a cover designer, and uh, he commented, he said, Chuck, this is, your writing is magnificent. Mm. It's just amazing. I don't, it's blowing me away. Well, I'm grateful for that. Uh, I guess my original teachers weren't necessarily all that impressed with (laughs) with it, but it's line upon line, precept upon precept. I would consider myself a very much word-oriented person, including Mm -hmm. the Word of God. You wouldn't be on the radio if, if you weren't, for sure. And it is something that's important in culture. It's certainly the way that we change the culture is through the spoken and written word. Let's, let's be honest about that. 
And I do think, of course, all believers need to love the Word of God, know mm-hmm. the Word of God, embrace the Word of God. Those of us who were created by God to be interested in words will have an easier time, even with our devotional life. So to the people who are listening who love the Lord, but don't necessarily love the devotional side of the Word of God, or maybe even the sermon is, is a struggle for them, like, I honor that for you. And God did not make you stupid. He made you smart in different ways. Maybe you go to church and it's the beauty that you see. Maybe it's the worship that compels you into a deeper relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's the conversation you have in a life group or in, as you're walking with a friend in the park that transforms your thinking more mm-hmm. than um, a, a sermon, if you will, or a class that's more logic-oriented. Now, you haven't just given an excuse to people that want to be lazy <laughs> and don't want to get into the Word of God, which is about 90% of professing Christians today, uh-huh. and no. especially men. So, <laughs> no, it's, no, sir, it's so discouraging, isn't it? So here's what I would say. You know, if you are um, a nature-smart person, go read the Word of God at a park bench. Or, or on a swing set or in a in a chair in your patio rather than in a dark den. Yeah. If you're, you know, worship smart, study the theology of the hymns. Watch to see if there's a song they're singing in a church service that may not be theologically accurate. Look at the, the music of the Psalms and look at how God brings the instruments into mm-hmm. um, so many experiences, the clanging gong and the the trumpet that will one day sound. All right, how about the logic uh, business, logic smart? Mm-hmm. We think with questions, we love it when things make sense. Um, we can be hard to win to faith. My testimony is interesting. I was raised in church, did not trust the Lord until I was 19. Mm. After, after my freshman year in college, when I roomed with a girl of a different faith and got really confused. And I wanted to know why God lets you know, bad things happen to good people, good things you know, happen to bad people. And right. Is the God of Daniel the God of Revelation? And why are there four Gospels that they all tell the same story? Mm. And why do we use the word story if it's true? <laughs> that, that's a good point. That's how my brain worked. And, and I praise God that I went to the right person with my questions, who did mm-hmm. not reject my questions, and, and led me to truth. And I came to faith in Christ for Colossians 2.3, which says that in Christ is hidden all wisdom and knowledge. Mm. I did not come to faith in Christ because I needed more love. I'm an introvert from a very close family, and I thought I needed, I thought I had enough love, and so the call that God is love fell on deaf ears. As somebody who's logic smart, I was seeking wisdom. I you was know, seeking understanding. You know, I, I have discovered that there are quite a few people that think they're logic smart. They're wannabe logic smarteners, or what they do, <laughs> they question everything purposely mm. in order to show how smart they are. Mm. Have, have you ever seen a person like that? Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and that, that those be... people are obnoxious. Well, right. It's it's sin. It, that's a pride and that's an arrogance. Yeah. And I think, again... It we keeps see, people from belief. Well, we see a lot of that going on in our culture, actually. People mm-hmm. who are trying to intellectually make an argument that they, they're not qualified to make. Right. But that part of that, Chuck, is because of the old-fashioned definition that to be smart means that I must have a reasoned argument, I must be able to use my words well. Mm. You know, no, they, I wish that they would know who they really are and that they could rest in the way that they've been created and that they would find everything from a post-high mm-hmm. school educational experience to a career to a ministry opportunity to people who would support them in the way that they've been designed. Very insightful comment. Picture smart. We think with our eyes in pictures, um, fiction 
and history and remembering Bible is often easier for people who are picture smart. And they might actually critique the church's sanctuary. Is it pretty enough for me? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And these are the kids, people who are picture smart and music smart and body smart are often the ones who have never felt smart. And they'll, they'll tell me, well, no, Dr. Kathy, I know I'm creative mm-hmm. and I know that I'm artistic and I know that right. I use color really well, but, but I'm not smart. And then I look at them and I go, no, sweetheart, the reason that you use color so well is because God created you to be picture smart. Mm. And Chuck, it changes everything. Oh, yeah. Because smart is a power word. Everyone wants to be smart. And they, they feel like they're second-class citizens in the kingdom and even in the family if it's like, well, my brother's the smart one. I'm just creative. Well, my no, wife no, used no. to feel that way. Mm. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, that girl has amazing talent, and mm. uh, she blesses our home with the most amazing decorations. And not only blesses our home, but because we have so many believers in and through our home, she blesses all them as well. Exactly. And so she's serving the Lord according to how he designed her, and now you can affirm her, which allows her to walk in that gifting and not feel bad and not strive to be what maybe she's not designed to be. Not that we shouldn't all want to grow and learn, but to be settled and to be content and to stop lusting after somebody else's way of being. Mm, that is so, so, so important. So now we've gone way beyond kids. We've gone to grown-up kids. Yeah, uh, where we don't value one another in the kingdom of God, and we diminish people who don't have certain particular kinds of gifts, and uh, it, it really has demeaned so many people within the broader body of Christ. It's a shame. All right, music smart. We think with rhythms and melodies. We might sing in tune and play one or more musical instruments. We, um, you know, Mississippi, how do you spell that? M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, right? You can yeah, use right. the I and exactly. you know how to spell that. So that's an example of using the smarts for learning opportunities. If you are homeschooling a child who is struggling with spelling or grammar or math facts or chemistry abbreviations, but you know that this kid is very music smart, have him or her make up rhythms and melodies for the things that she's trying to remember, and lo and behold, she'll now do better in chemistry, math, spelling, and grammar because you took a different smart and applied it mm. to that other smart, and two smarts working together is better than just one. There you go. All right, we'll be right back after this, friends. We're going to be really smart after all this. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they loved one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
It's always a thrill, always a delight to come before you here on Viewpoint uh, day after day. It's amazing that it's been 26 and a half years now, confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Today, it may not seem like a deep issue because it's not political, it's not uh, financial, it's not this, that, or the other. But in reality, it's foundational. It goes to the very heart and soul of raising up children in the nurture of the Lord uh, so that when they are old, they can be and become the mature adults using the gifts and talents that God has created them for. God is amazing. You want to talk about diversity. I hate the word diversity because it's used for uh, nefarious political purposes. But uh, this is true diversity. This is how God created uh, humankind created us in such a way that we can be a blessing to one another and serve one another and fulfill the great wheel of his uh, holistic purpose for us as a biblical and a Christian community. All right, body smart. We're not talking about somebody that's going out and lifting weights and looking at themselves in the mirror for the next 30 minutes, are we? We're not. Body smart people think with movement and touch, and they move well. They can be athletic. They could be artists who work well with clay. They could be dancers. A drummer who drums really well mm. would be an example of somebody who's body smart. Somebody who can cook and everything stays in the bowl and doesn't get splattered to the counter. <laughs> you know, so these these smarts do show up in a variety of ways. And again, this is one that um, I really appreciate the opportunity that I've had to affirm it in children who feel like they just get in trouble because they move a lot. But for us to say, no, you're able to move well in the ways that you move because God chose for your body to be important to you. Mm. Okay. And, you know, before I forget, during the break, I was just thinking, Kathy, that you are actually, what what's happening here today is you are exercising the smarts that God has given you mm-hmm. and your uh uh, protege, Tina Hollenbeck, that heard you speak on this subject so many years ago and adopted it for her homeschooling and then wrote this book. She has entrusted to you the responsibility or privilege, whatever you want to call it, uh, to communicate the essence of these things mm-hmm. because she sees you as the better communicator of it mm-hmm. in words. This is how this works, isn't it? That's a great example of being a team, mm-hmm. and we were not we were not created to live in isolation or to minister in isolation. So I appreciate you pointing that out. Yeah, yeah. I, I just really believe that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, nature smart. Nature smart people love being outside. That's their preference is to spend time outside. They love getting dirty, actually, which I think is hysterical. Um, they think with patterns. That's how they know. You know, bluebirds aren't blue jays. Um, they will do better in earth science, meteorology, and biology than they will in physics and chemistry. But wait a minute. Can you be word smart and logic smart and nature smart at the same time? Absolutely. All eight. And it's not important that we figure out which is our top one, two, three, four. I, I like mm-hmm. to think in terms of what are the top four and the bottom four, maybe, because it's good to know your weaknesses. It's also good to know your strengths. True. But, um, yes, sir. And if somebody is nature smart, picture smart, they might draw birds. If you're logic smart, nature smart, you might run a nature museum one day. Hmm. Right? Yeah. I, okay. I can see that. Now, I, I, I love to uh, to landscape. 
Uh, people mm. have recognized a, an artistic ability to landscape mm-hmm. and uh, to see things the way they can be before they're actually there. Yep, that's picture smart and nature smart together. My, my wife dad. says my wife says she doesn't have that ability, but on the other hand, she has a kind of artistic expression that I certainly don't even come close to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Each of these smarts is multifaceted for sure, which is why we've got to stop putting people in little itty bitty boxes. Mm. There's so much to us to be discovered. Good heavens. Ephesians 2.10. God created us in advance to do good works that we would walk in them, mm-hmm. which means we're gifted and we, we're like onions, right? There's layers of us still to be discovered. And what, what a privilege for a parent, grandparent, educator, and friend to walk with someone and say, I see this in you. Yeah, it, it really is. And I think uh, when you think of uh, discipling, when you think of mentoring a young person, uh, right now I'm in the process of mentoring two, uh, a younger teenager and an older teenager. Mm. And uh, each one of them is dramatically different. Uh, But it seems to me that one of the important things that has to happen is not just to transmit information to them, which, and that's important, the foundational information of the scriptures and so on. But when transformation comes, it's application in the unique way in which God created and made that person. And yes, if we sir. don't see it, if we don't see it, that person can become very discouraged. Right. I was just going to say, because when you point out their gifting and their possibilities, they will feel better not just about themselves, but about God. Yeah. Who didn't now he didn't make a mistake when he made them. And now mm. they have it that changes everything. It does. Yeah. People smart. People smart people love sharing ideas with other people. They love networking and collaborating. Um they can really be good at arguing actually, which is not a good use of that skill. <laughs> um, I thought that was logic smart. It's logic and people together. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, that's again we we develop that um as we teach longer about these topics, but um people smart can people smart people can also read body language and respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. So if you have the ability to see that someone is mad, sad, happy or glad or somebody should be stayed away from or somebody should be approached because they need compassion expressed, that would be an example of a people-smart person, which is a wonderful, wonderful gift to have. And even children can demonstrate these things if you watch closely enough. Absolutely, absolutely. Young three-, four-, five-year-old kids who have a sensitive heart, maybe they're gifted in, in a way that sensitivity, maybe they have a gift of compassion or exhortation, and they also might be people-smart. And what's hard about being young with the gift of people-smart is you might not have the vocabulary to express what you're feeling about mm-hmm. what's going on, but you can feel what's going on, which is a really powerful thing. Okay. That's an appropriate place for feelings, not replacing mm-hmm. for uh, truth and, mm-hmm. and uh, all of that. Okay, right. and then self-smart. Self-smart people love quiet, peace, privacy, and space. They think deeply inside of themselves. It takes them longer to come up with the ideas they have, mm-hmm. which is why they can often feel less smart. You can ask a rather simple, you think it's a simple question, but a self-smart person will always go deep and they, will, they want the answer to feel right. And so there can be hesitation. Yeah. These are children and adults who have said to me often, I've never felt smart because the system doesn't work. You know what? You are just describing one of my grandsons. Interesting. To a T. Mm. And what I have discovered, uh, and, and it began to happen when 
uh, I began to take him out for a particular activity, uh, realizing that, you know, it, there was a lack there. And mm-hmm. over a period of about a year in spending time breaking bread together and so on and just listening, mm-hmm. things began to change dramatically. Love that. Now I have discovered he is smart as a whip. Mm-hmm. But initially, you wouldn't realize that because he's so pensive about things and doesn't jump and make immediate decisions. Mm. And uh, boy, we are having our eyes open to the beauty of what God has done to ordain that young man. Oh, I love that for him and for you. That he felt safe with you and then he was able to share. So that's really, really profound, really cool. Well, he, said, he said, Papa's the only one that will listen to me. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear that a lot. You know yeah. what, I think I think self-smart kids drop out of school. I think they drop out of church. I think there are self-smart people who are doing Internet church, which is not as healthy as being in a community where iron sharpens iron in a right. real way. Right, true. But they feel, they feel safest there, and I honor that for them. But I also want to say to our self-smart listeners, you know, find someone who you can trust with your innermost thoughts, because here's the thing. I think self-smart people know what they know, what they know, what they know. Mm-hmm. And if they don't share it, the kingdom loses. The yeah. family and loses. once they really know what they know that they know, then you see them as a completely different person. Exactly. And what an honor for us to affirm them yeah. and to watch them flourish, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so cool. what, a, what a great conversation. I'm enjoying this with you, uh, Kathy. I'm so glad. Yeah. And uh, the book is... Uh, Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, A Guide to Teaching Based on Your Child's Unique Strengths. Uh, it's a $13 book, yours for $9 on our website, saveus.org. It could completely revolutionize your family. Even if you're not a homeschooler, even if you're not a homeschooler, these principles, these understandings are deep. And uh, I think you can see from uh, Kathy Cook's translation of this, on behalf of her uh, protege, Tina Hollenbeck, who is a homeschooler, uh, you can see uh, how important it really is. So go to the website, saveus.org, and uh, get your copy to uh, bring life, a new dimension of life and direction into your home and for your children and even grandchildren, friends. So 1-800-SAVE-USA, write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, or give us a call. Now, before we, before we uh, wrap up here, Kathy, tell us what your recommendation is or encouragement is to those who are listening concerning homeschooling. I would encourage you to consider it with everything in you. Find someone in your community who's home educating their kids and invite them over or go over to their home and see their homeschool room and talk to them and interview them. Talk to the kids and find out what they like about it because you might be assuming that they're lonely or they don't like being isolated. You mean to tell me they would call them unsocialized? <laughs> and we know that they're socialized in the very best way. Homeschooled kids have greater social skills with all generations. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I could go on and on with that. But I think, you know, for us to be open to the possibility, um, yeah, and to consider pulling your kids. And if you are already homeschooling, uh, don't give up. Even on your hardest day, you're the best teacher your kids will ever have. Uh, take a mental health day if you need to. Take school to the park when you can. Uh, you can do this. 
and your kids are worth the investment. Mm. They are worth the sacrifice. I do not believe you will ever look back with major regret if you make this decision. Well, t- sending your kids to the public school these days is a high-risk endeavor, isn't it? It is. It is for a lot of reasons. Absolutely. And yet a lot of people will say, well, I my kids are going to be an evangelist there. Uh, so they're using it, they're using their children as purported evangelists when, in fact, the purpose of the schooling is to lay the foundations for their faith and for their life, not to substitute for your unwillingness to do the work of the kingdom and evangelize. Right. And I would say to the parents, if you were there, would you evangelize? And if you know in, with in the, all the in the in the in the conditions uh, that we have today, cancel culture, right, mm-hmm. right. No, we you know we're mature in our faith and we're mature in our understanding of how the world works, and we're still not going to be able to be successful there because the system is ultimately broken and it's designed to go against everything. Yeah. So to expect an eight-year-old or an eighteen-year-old to stand up in the very way it's it's very challenging some will because some are capable and some are called there and we honor that but in most cases we we need to really um, think of today and think of tomorrow and make the decision that's best for the family and homeschooling is often going to be the very best thing to do all right there are some pastors to listen to this program uh what do you say to them well that's a great question chuck uh because yeah, we, we can't let the school decision um, rock a church or divide a church. We need to speak well of all options. I think those of us in leadership in our churches, we need to be supportive. I, I would love to see more churches uh, open their church buildings on Tuesdays to homeschool families to come in together and you know work in, in a room together for joy. I'd like to see more, te- more pastors pray publicly for their public school employees that are in the church mm-hmm. and to pray for the families who have their kids there we can't abandon the system we have you know 90 percent some odd kids in our country are still there let's mm-hmm. not abandon it yeah. so let's pray and let's be supportive um let's you know take take donuts to the school teachers lounge on mondays and say we're here for you if you need anything there you go so that's, i that's think great that, i think there's things that we can do that would say to everybody in the church we honor your choice, and we're open to discussing better mm-hmm. choices if we feel like you haven't made a wise one. Yeah. Well, friends, choose you this day whom you will serve and how you're going to do it. We have to make choices. Thanks for joining us here today on Viewpoint. Thanks so much for Kathy Cook and her investment here today. Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, a guide to teaching based on your child's unique strengths on our website, saveus.org. God bless. At least be there for our kids. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.